In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. That has been made. In him was life, and that life was with the light of men. The light shines the dark shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every, every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Good morning, and a Merry Christmas to you, and you can sit down and relax. Well, we certainly come together to honor our God this day, and the wonderful word of John we just heard is special for Christmas Day, and so I wish you God's blessings on your celebration of the birth of your Savior, my Savior, Jesus Christ. It's kind of interesting, isn't it, that the Bible doesn't tell us the date on which Jesus was born. And the first year recorded for the celebration on December 25th as Christmas Day was in the year 336 A.D., in the year of our Lord. You might be curious to know as well, there were other dates that were given consideration. March 28th, September 11th, and November 18th. And along the way, there were various traditions introduced by the church and by others. We've completed in now the 28 days of preparation, and so now today we enter the 12 days of Christmas to celebrate the nativity of Jesus Christ. Sometimes it is challenging to separate the real traditions from the unreal ones. The real miracle didn't occur on 34th Street in New York City. It occurred in a stable in Bethlehem. The true love of the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas, is not some fictitious, rich character who gives strange gifts, like a partridge in a pear tree or twelve drummers drumming. The true love is God, who gives us many gifts, including the gift of his son Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. And as admirable as it is for a major department store to have a Christmas theme and campaign of believe, we still depend upon God's gift of faith to receive Jesus Christ into our life as Lord and Savior. Isn't it extraordinary to you, to me, that the birth of a baby boy more than 2,000 years ago in a small town in Israel still generates to this day so many activities with music, decorations, family get-togethers, and church worship services? 
The Bible, Holy Scripture, contains many prophecies in the Old Testament that lead us to Jesus in the New Testament. And then at the beginning of that testament, we find four Gospels. Even though Mark probably wrote his first, he's placed in second place. Possibly, we don't know, but possibly because he doesn't refer to the birth of Jesus, he just leaps right ahead to the ministry of John the Baptist who baptized Jesus. Matthew is in first place. He's a tax collector by profession, but isn't it interesting that he too does not refer to the census of the Roman government, which was designed for tax assessments. He just talks about other things, about the nativity of Jesus Christ. He starts out with 42 generations of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, all the way back to Abraham, the patriarch, and up to Joseph, who's described as the husband of Mary. Matthew focuses more on Joseph and his relationship with Mary. He gives a brief reference to the birth of Jesus, and then he goes right forward to the arrival of the wise men. Luke gives us the most facts for this day. Facts like Caesar Augustus, the angel Gabriel, the manger, swaddling clothes, Joseph and Mary from Nazareth a great company of the heavenly host. One translation describes that as a multitude. And we still don't know what a multitude is. How many angels are in God's choir? All we know for sure is a lot. And don't miss it. Isn't it enjoyable to you? It is to me that God got so excited on the birth of his son that day that um, he had his choir of angels sing about his son and his arrival to earth. Well, that takes us to John, which we just heard the magnificent words of the opening chapter. Tremendous indeed. John was a fisherman who became a disciple evangelist, and he wrote the fourth gospel. He wrote three letters, and he wrote the Revelation. And his goal was very written clearly, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Rather than emphasizing the facts, John provides a theology that interprets what Matthew and Luke describe. John has his own back to the future with an eye-opening gospel that talks about all that we know to be special. He goes all the way back to the beginning of creation, whenever that was. You heard it, let me repeat a little bit of it now. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. So much for evolution, because the emphasis here is that the Word is Jesus Christ. He's the light and life of all of us, and we become the children of God when we believe in Jesus. Here's where John's Gospel becomes an eye-opening experience when he says, the word is made flesh and made his dwelling among us. God chose to become a human being. Why? To save us from sin. To deliver us from death. To give us eternal life. And then he goes on to say, we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
Glory here refers to the brilliance of God. And Jesus is described as the radiance of God's glory in the opening verses of the epistle to the Hebrews. Glory is one of those very special words that when you hear it, you know right away it has something to do with God. John proclaimed who Jesus Christ was. John proclaimed what his mission was. John proclaimed how his earthly life fit into God's plan of salvation. Jesus is the Word made flesh, and now the church calls that incarnation. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only. Glory is the gift of knowing God up close and personal in Jesus Christ, and to know him is to love him. Glory suggests magnificence and beauty. Jesus came from heaven to earth, from eternity to time, and he brought us eternity's savings time and reset our time. He's a complete human person, but he remains completely God as well. He took on a body in time and space, and he wasn't home for the first Christmas. Sometimes in our human life, we tend to reduce our intentions and our observations to serious issues like sin and suffering and illness and death. When my father was in the closing weeks of his mesothelioma, people would regularly and kindly ask me, how's your dad doing? And my regular response to them was, God's preparing him for glory. It seems like every Christmas when we come to this time, we ask a question of one another to create conversation. Beyond saying Merry Christmas and greeting one another, we'll say, what'd you get for Christmas? And many of us get so many gifts that we're tempted to pray like a five-year-old boy who quoted Psalm 51, verse 10 accurately. Well, almost. He prayed, O Lord, cast me not away from my presence. But let me go back to the question. What did you get for Christmas? And I ask you to join me in listening to these words of Paula Fox. God sent a very special gift that's personally for you, an incomparable expression of his love, and here's the clue. It's everything you wished for, even better than you thought, and it won't cost you a penny. In fact, it can't be bought. Designed to be a perfect fit for hearts of every size, this gift will change your life and it will open up your eyes. It will give your life more beauty and you'll discover while you're here. You'll see greater visions and your purpose for you is becoming clear. Sometimes a gift comes with strings attached, which isn't fair, but this one offers freedom from every burden that you bear. It's the best deal of a lifetime, and it has a guarantee. It will be with you forever and through eternity. Now, you're probably imagining just what this gift might be. And perhaps you're thinking, how could it be quite so wonderful for me? A gift beyond what human understanding can conceive. It's more than you would dare to think or imagine or believe. You won't find it like 
another in any place on the earth. Jesus is the ultimate gift, one of a kind, right from his birth. He's called Emmanuel, which means that God will be with you. He's the gift that keeps on giving, always faithful through and through. Superior in every way, none other can compare. He's greater and more powerful than you'll find anywhere. But there is one more bonus with this gift, as you shall see. A home for you and me in paradise. He's the master key. Well, how could you refuse this gift which opens heaven's doors, especially when it comes from God? Signed, personally yours. May that make a day for you today, merry and full of joy that comes with the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, amen.